0: So today we're going to talk about how to trust your intuition. And for me, it's a very, um, how can I say, it's a very important um, topic because it's taken me so long and I still don't trust my intuition, even though I know it's accurate. And I've had so much feedback from clients um, to tell me, and and from life, you know, you look back um, and something that you felt was going to happen, happened. Um, But trusting your intuition is not easy um, for most people, and certainly not for me. So I wanted to share a little bit about my journey, and also why I think trusting your intuition is not easy, and how we can overcome that. But what I want to say before we even start is I believe everybody is born intuitive, but um, it's like a muscle. So unless you have exercised it all your life, it is a weak muscle. And the way I, I wanted to explain this to you is that I've been looking at my two youngest, uh, two oldest kids who were incredibly intuitive. They're both on the autistic spectrum. And um, one of them used to be able to talk to trees, um, rocks, um, animals, anything. He could talk to anything. He was um, really tuned into the energy of things around him. And my other child um, used to be able to see, I mean, I think they both saw spirits and they were very, very intuitive. I think it's linked. I also want you to understand that energy and intuition are intimately linked. People who are intuitive and psychics are able to get the information from you or from around them because they read the energy and energy is intelligence. It's information as well as something that you sense. So um, I want to share with you one of the stories that, well, there's so many stories with my children that have opened my eyes. They they literally trained me um, to be who I am. I wouldn't be the person I am if I hadn't had these amazing children. And so one of my sons was a lot into Harry Potter, especially because of the magic and everything. And I I do love um, the Harry Potter books. And so he used to dress as Harry Potter um, when he wasn't in school and all sorts of things. But at the time, I was training uh, in Reiki uh, with my Reiki master. So I can't remember if I was on level one or two, whatever. And she asked, well, why don't you bring your kids in? Because I wanted to see if maybe it would be a good thing for them to be attuned to Reiki. And I wasn't a master yet. So I come along with my two kids. I think my eldest son was eight or nine, something like that, Um, and uh, his younger brother was four, and um, he was dressed up as Harry Potter because that's what he did, and he had his wand, and he actually looked a lot like the Harry Potter that's described in the book, because he had dark curly hair and green eyes and glasses. Um, He'd won um, his glasses um, almost from age two or three or whatever. So um, we were just discussing with my Reiki master, and the kids were playing around. and My son put his um, wand on the floor, and literally, the moment he put it down on the floor, the wand disappeared. Um, like one moment it was there, the next moment it wasn't. So we looked everywhere for it, and we couldn't find it. Um then we went on to discuss something completely different. And um, my son was able to feel, and my master was quite interested to ask him to have her identify a little boy, um, a spirit boy that had been causing quite a lot of mischief in her house. In particular, um, the boy seemed to like um, to lock the door, or um, on people who went into the bathroom. And I remember when I used to go to for trainings, I would say to the boy, please don't do this to me. I, this is going to completely freak me out. I really don't want any of this kind of phenomena or jokes because I just can't take it. And um, very gently, he actually agreed not to do it. You know, I couldn't see him or anything, but I just prayed to him. And I, I remember that the first time I said that to him, I felt a huge hug from him around me. Almost as if he wanted to say, you know it's okay, I'm not gonna scare you I'm not here to scare people I'm more here to entertain So when my son came um, he saw actually the boy at the top of the stairs on the first landing in in my way master's house and she asked him to ask him what his name was and everything and my son had a conversation with him and turned out I think the boy was called Jake um, and um, and everything so. The thing is, when it was time to go, um, my son's glasses disappeared. And by now we had a feeling that it was the boy who was making things disappear because as long as my, my, my son didn't have his glasses and his wand, we wouldn't go home and he wanted him to stay here as long as possible because he was finally having someone who could see him who was a kid as well and who could interact with him. So I actually started a conversation with this boy, even though I couldn't hear what he was answering back. But um, and I said to him, look, we, I promise we will come back with my son, but please give him his uh, glasses back and his wands back. And literally within five minutes, they both reappeared um, on the carpet uh, in the middle of the room. It was just a bit mind-blowing. Luckily, I didn't see it like literally snap and, and, uh, and appear, but um, because I think that would have so what I want to say is that this is the magic that these kids brought into my life and into everybody's lives, okay? Uh, my two elder children. Um, and but the thing is, and this is what I wanted to share, this is why I started with this story. The more they progressed in the school, uh, schooling system, the more this magic started to fade away. And by the end of their education, when they finished their A-levels, they obviously didn't remember any of these instances and they were completely uh, into the scientific way of thinking. So, mum was like out there, you know? Uh, (laughs) um, I don't know how to explain this, but I became a bit this, you know, um, weird mum that they loved a lot, but who didn't make sense anymore. And I'm sharing this story because it happened to all of us. I'm pretty much convinced that we started with this magic. And and if you observe children, they have a lot of magic. True, a lot of it is their imagination. But who knows how much is real in the sense of how much are they connected to the spirit world. And I do believe that actually the first five years, it's like we remember where we come from. And um, my children, all of them, all four of them, have all told me about their past lives and how they died in the last life before they came here. So, um, but, and here's the thing parents would have likely told you, don't be silly, uh, or that you had a wild imagination, or that you were talking nonsense. They might have even scolded you or told you off for saying the things that you said. Um, and so, you were not validated. You were not, your expression wasn't, and so little by little, you learned not to tune into this. You learned that this wasn't a thing that people wanted to hear about. Okay. And in my case, I could see through people so clearly, especially my mother, who was not the nicest person in the world. Um, and she just couldn't stand me looking through her and seeing her for who she was. So she, um, I became her, her black sheep. Um, because of this. Like, so this gift really wasn't the gift. It felt more like a curse because it meant that a lot of people didn't like me um, because they didn't like the way I looked at them. I'm gonna give you another example uh, because I talked about past lives and how my children remember their past lives. So um, my second child, when uh, she was little, um, in reception, okay, so the first year, for those of you who are not in the UK, the first year of school um, when kids are about four, four or five, depends. Um, the teacher one day uh, called me and wanted to talk to me about my child. and I, So I, I came along and the teacher said, well, we were doing the fire routine, explaining to the kids what to do in case of fire, where they should go, who they should follow and everything. And uh, your daughter told me that she, um, she was in the fire. So I said, oh, that's good. I can see that you're, you're healthy now. You're good. And, um, and she said, the, my, my daughter said to the teacher in an exasperated voice, um, no, it's when I was a mum.'" And so I was called into the teacher's office or class, and she wanted to discuss that with me. And I said, well, I'm very aware of this story because she told me the story a couple of days ago. And when my daughter told me the the story, I just hugged her very closely. Luckily, I had read a lot about past lives and reincarnations. So I was open to the idea. I I wasn't convinced, but the idea made a lot of sense for me. So I just had held my four-year-old little girl and I said to her, look, it's over now. You're safe now. You're okay. This is a new life. And then she just kissed me and went back to play, you know? So this led to a very interesting conversation with the teacher, um, my my reception teacher, my daughter's reception teacher, where she said, um, well, actually, um, I had a nephew who once said in a a family reunion um, that um, he just said, out of the blue, grandpa's dead. And Literally 15 minutes later, this teacher received a phone call uh, in her house um, to to confirm the news. So she said, I can understand that there's some things like that that um, children do that we cannot explain. So I was really grateful that she had an open mind. But think about how many people wouldn't, how many teachers would scold the child for lying and uh, shame them. And this is how intuition is literally beaten out of you because you can see that it's not welcome. You can see from a child, you get the message very clearly that it's nonsense, okay? So, I believe that we're all intuitive the way that my children are, but we haven't been supported in keeping that intuition alive. And this is one of the reasons why I never considered myself intuitive or psychic until, I went to psychics for guidance and they all told me unanimously from um, almost from day one, actually not the first two ones, but from when the after I moved to the UK in 2001, every single psychic I went to always said, you should be doing what I do. You should be doing what I do. And I looked at them like a rabbit in the headlights because for me, I wasn't intuitive. I didn't understand anything they were saying. And for me, Psychics and intuitives were on a pedestal. They were like the chosen few. They had a gift that someone um, that nobody else had. But, um, you know, like they had been blessed by the intuitive fairy at birth. And now um, I don't believe that anymore. I've really changed the way I look at things. I just think that some of them, their intuition is so strong that it's able to survive the brainwashing about um, intuition that our culture and society um, is doing on all of our children. Uh, And sometimes I wonder if there's not an agenda on a societal level to um, crush psychics and intuitives because they're usually the ones that are going to uh, challenge the system, who are going to show the faults of the society because they are seers. They can see through things. They see beyond the wisdom of their peers. And so they make people uncomfortable uh, at an individual level, but also at a collective level. And so this is, I believe this is how the witch hunt started. And this is something very scary. Can you imagine you could be, especially if you were a woman, um, and that's not that long ago. You could, you know, I think the last witch to be trialed was in the early 1900s. So intuition is a dangerous thing, and, and none of us really want to be involved with it in a way that, um, because it makes it's going to make us stand out. And the other thing that I experienced was actually being afraid that people wouldn't take me seriously when I was a clinical hypnotherapist because of my intuition. You know, they would think that I, you can either be someone rational or you can be something, someone intuitive, but you can't be both. And I'm here. bridge the gap. I'm here to show people that it's actually if you combine intuition with intelligence you are a winner. You go so much further than people who use only one or the other. So as you can see in school there's no education about emotional intelligence and intuition and it's never been on the cards. And that's also something I feel very passionate about. I, I believe children should be taught about intuition so that they, they keep that muscle active and engaged. Uh, where was I? So, um, I suppose I went through all this to show you that this has not been a gift that's been welcomed by society. And that's probably why we all resist this uh, intuition business. We think that intuition has been labeled as superstition, as being irrational. And on some level, it's a little bit about the battle between um, men and women in the sense of that when men want to um, dominate women, um, because intuition is more traditionally linked to the feminine quality. but this all brings us, for me, to the quote by Einstein, who was a man, so I really appreciate his take on this because um, women didn't have a voice as much in his time, and, he's, and he was a scientist, so he had, um, he had this quality that is now worshipped uh, all over the world, like science is, is the new god. Um, and he said, the intuitive mind is a sacred gift, and the rational mind is a faithful servant we have created a society that um, now honors the servant and has forgotten the gift. So it is my purpose to put things right. It is my purpose to um, action what Einstein highlighted and to put the master in, uh, in its place and to put the intellect as the servant of our intuition. Intuition without education can lead to superstition, that is true. But not understanding intuition deprives us of half of our potential, okay? So this is what I believe and this is what I'm passionate about. And I know I'm here to um, empower thousands of business owners to use their intuition so that they can make a difference, so that they can leverage the power of their intuition so that they work less so that their road to success is more fulfilling, but also so that they can have a bigger impact on, in the world. So I wanted to talk to you about um, six principles that I have listed. on my notes because uh, it, it helps me to stay uh, focused. Six principles on how intuition works. Okay. Number one, intuition and fear are mutually exclusive. And if you look at the world today, I cannot help but wonder if all this fear-mongering from the media, but also from the government and lots of things, is not here to take us away from the intuition so we we don't see through things. And that includes, I'm sorry to say for our friends who are into conspiracy theory, but they also contribute to the problem. So intuition and fear are mutually exclusive, so you need... To understand how to manage your fear and recognize the fear for what it is, which is an illusion, so that you can actually access your intuition. Nobody can do this for you. Principle number two is everyone receives intuition in a different way. So you need to learn your own unique way of how intuition works for you, Um, which is why I don't believe any of the group programs to teach intuition are actually um, as powerful as a one to one with someone who can already tell you from the start, this is how you function, this is how your intuition is working, let's work from there. Number three, intuition whispers, whereas fear shouts or screams. So in order to hear intuition, you have to turn down the volume of your entire life, which is why a lot of people recommend uh, meditation, but it's not necessarily the only thing or the thing to turn the volume down. Um, most of it is actually about learning how your mind works. Principle number four is intuition comes with a sense of peace. So you could have an intuitive um, uh, hit, that's what we call that, um, about the fact that there's going to be a massive car accident on the motorway near to where you live and that you need to access to go to work, for example. But if it was from fear, you would fear an accident happening and you would feel anxiety and, and, and um, distress. But if it's intuition, um, you will just avoid the place and nothing will happen. And you'll feel a sense of peace. You'll feel, oh, that's odd. I don't know why I'm taking this route. And then you'll find out there was an accident. So it's two completely different things. Intuition always comes with a sense of peace. Number five. Um, principle number five. Intuition asks you to believe before you will get the proof. So you won't be told this and this, and you're gonna have a proof so that you trust your intuition. You'll have to trust first, and then you will be you will give in the cookie. And the last principle is intuition is worthless without action. And sadly, that's the problem. A lot of people are intuitive, but they don't act on their intuition because. The ego mind is so threatened by intuition that it, it, within seconds of you getting uh, this intuitive intuitive idea, uh, it will try to um, destroy it, almost like it, you know, like um, in a video game. It has to come and blast it because it's dangerous and it doesn't want you to get out of your comfort zone. Intuition always takes you out of your comfort zone. That should be my principle number seven. In fact, I'm going to add it as principle seven. So. Intuition is asking you, imagine, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm losing the track a little bit. Imagine if you had a best friend who's super, super wise, and you would go to ask her for advice, but then you ignored her advice. And you asked everyone else for advice and their opinion, and then you would go back to your friend and tell her she's not real. How long do you think your best friend is going to stick around? Well, this is the same with intuition. We do that all the time. I saw it when I used to teach the tarot. It's kind of fascinating how people, if they don't get the card that they want, they'll keep pulling and pulling until they get the answer that they want. And so that's an ego game that you need to understand. It will happen. It's, it's human. But you need to resist that. And I wanted to say, if you want to come and learn how to use your intuition um, and be confident in making decisions based on your intuition, um, why not come and join my 5 day free challenge starting on Sunday, this coming Sunday, the 21st of June. Uh, the registration link uh, page is going to be in the show notes on my website, I can help you thrive. So you can either find it at the bottom of the show notes or if you go to the, um, to the podcast um, tab on the menu, you will have a link for today's um, podcast episode and then this will lead you to the registration link. Now, obviously you can also find the registration link, sorry, on my page, my Facebook page. I can help you thrive because I post it nearly every day since I'm in the launch phase for this uh, brand new challenge. And also on my LinkedIn profile, if you um, want to look me up, uh, it's Ange de Lumière, spelled A-N-G-E-D-E-L-U-M-I-U-R-E. Thank you for listening and I look forward to talking to you again next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Nutrition Podcast. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe, give us a rating and if you haven't done it yet, write a review so that more listeners can enjoy this podcast. Don't forget to join my free group on Facebook Business Intuition for Female Entrepreneurs. And go on to my website to download my free workbook on the four steps to trust your intuition in business. My website is theintuitionrevolution.co.uk.